This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Hey, everybody. Good evening from Providence, Rhode Island, where I'm at the studio. I'm back at my place. Just had a little dinner. And, uh, you know, hey, I went and watched the last of the four gubernatorial debates tonight. This time it was the Channel 10 debate moderated by Gene Valicente, the uh, anchor at Channel 10 at 6 o'clock. He's also the morning host on WPRO. And um, it was held at Rhode Island College, the same venue that the the Publix Radio Providence Journal um, anchor, which is the Rick Student newspaper debate, was held. So a familiar venue. A couple of things. So first of all, I guess it was about two-thirds full tonight. I was sitting in the front row. And, um, you know, unlike the last debate at Rick, this time, the crowd felt much more evenly divided between Kayla supporters and McKee supporters. I guess last time, the McKee people were saying there was some kind of confusion about the distribution of tickets and how many people could be invited or something like that. I don't know what happened. But this time, it definitely felt much more equally divided. It was lively. You know, there were a few times where Valicente was like, oh, if you know, if you boo again or you heckle again, we're going to eject people. As far as I could tell, no one got ejected. I mean, it was pretty lively, but um, for the most part, it didn't interfere with the back and forth, the actual debate itself. And, you know, hey, we've seen this show before. We've seen this show before now a total of four times, including on Monday on the WPRO debate that I moderated, which you can hear, by the way, at 997wpro.com. Just click on the Election Central tab or head to my Twitter at Bill Bartholomew. I'm going to pin that to the top of my account as we head into the weekend here right before election day. But honestly, you know, this debate was very similar in tone, in vibe, in specific questions and answers as the previous debates. There was one bit of kind of a nugget, if you will, of news that came out of it. And that is that Governor McKee said that he saw the RICAS scores. He has seen the RICAS scores. And he said that, look, Reading is down a little bit and math is up. The question is, is it up from pandemic levels or pre-pandemic levels? I think we all know or, or gut would tell us that it's up from like pandemic levels comparatively with 2018 or 2019. It's it's hard to imagine that they have uh, the, these scores have outperformed. But he says that there's a chance that the RICAS scores will actually be released before election day. And so after the debate, I saw both candidates. I spoke with Governor McKee and I spoke with Ashley Kalis. Um, the governor seemed like he was in good spirits. You know, as as he was walking out, he was joined by, you know, Bob Walsh and a, and a bunch of supporters. Bob Walsh, the former head of the uh, NEA, the teachers union here in Rhode Island, the biggest teachers union, I should say. And look, you know, he seemed to be in good spirits. His team was in good spirits, but so too were the Kalis people. You know, I saw them, like I said, I saw Ashley Kalis. I asked her a couple of questions. She said that the biggest thing, that, she, that the big takeaways, if you will, from this debate were one, that the governor is going to release the RICAS scores and that the governor admitted in a debate that his administration was under FBI investigation. So that was her big takeaway when I spoke with her afterwards. But, you know, there, there really wasn't like anything significant in terms of an evolved position that's changed from the first debate, the WPRI debate, through the Publix Radio Projo debate, through my debate with WPRO, and then today with Valicente, the Channel 10 debate, 
I mean, pretty similar, pretty similar approach. And you can kind of gauge the whole campaign for each candidate from any of these debates. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's not like, okay, you have the first debate and then the, the evolution of a position or the tightening of an answer or a more detail-oriented response. It was pretty much, I mean, we could go crazy here and I could break it down in, in, in hyper-specifics, but this is just an overview. You know, the best thing to do is just go watch the debate if we're going to get that long. We'll have an hour-long podcast talking about it at that level, so you're better off just going and watching it if you're curious you know, or watch a snippet here and there um, of, of the actual back and forth. I think both candidates are, from a human standpoint, I do think both candidates feel good about what they're doing. You know, and that's that's from body language. Again, that's from some conversations off record and just kind of even a little bit on record after the debate that we're just, I, I think both candidates are going into the final weekend, the final stretch here of trying to collect whatever momentum they can win over whatever independent voters they can they seem to be positive about it i mean obviously behind the scenes you know that that's not exactly what's happening there's there's going to be some stress anxiety and and so on and so forth i mean let's be real but you know no one walked away from this this debate tonight beat up and i think that's interesting you know there was also a congressional debate beforehand um cd2 Fung Magaziner, a debate that we had on WPRO that I moderated last Friday as well. I didn't see that in its entirety. I was able to catch a little bit. Um, I'm on the radio at that time. This debate was at four o'clock in the afternoon on TV. I don't know what that was about. I'm guessing it's logistics. There were some fancy, you know, backdrops and you know, camera equipment that were installed for this these debates today at at, at Rick that that NBC tended. I wonder if they're like owned by Sinclair and they're kind of rented for one day or some, something like that. Some logistical reason led to the, the congressional debate taking place at four o'clock in the afternoon. So I, I couldn't watch it live. I heard some snippets of it. Um, I was able to check in here and there. And, you know, I'm going to have before I really remark on it any further, I, I would like to just watch it. So I'm going to I'm actually going to pause right there in terms of any analysis because I haven't seen enough of it to really offer a take. But you know, on the governor's side, like I said, hey, these people are who they are in terms of public facing. I mean, we've seen the stories this week, the Boston Globe story on Ashley Kalis, you know, with the the vile text messages um, that was also covered by Channel 12 and by the Providence Journal. And then this, you know, Ed Fitzpatrick podcast that he did with the governor where the governor kind of pushes back on what he felt was unfair reporting. So there's been some controversy, you know, if you will, um, that's played out this week. That was alluded to at the top of the debate, but that really didn't shape the debate. The, the themes were the same as before. They were the same as before. You know, the McKee campaign says, hey, look, the governor, he's been there for 20 months. Look at the momentum he's got going. You know, first, uh, you know, for, first state out of the hole, if you will, with the, with the best results economically in terms of a recovery in the Northeast during the pandemic, you know, vaccinations, you know, all that, this, that, and the other. All the, all the key hits. And Kalis is some kind of outsider that uh, doesn't know what she's talking about. That's their maneuver that they've been playing and they continue to play today. And Kalis is saying, hey, look, the governor is corrupt. He's under FBI investigation. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's an insider. He's been there too long. You know, he's, he's subject to his cronies. You know, he's out of ideas. That's their play. And that's what they tried to present today as well. 
at this debate. So nothing really new, but I still recommend watching it. You know, I really do. I think it's I think it's worth taking some time and watching it or just put it on play when you're driving around or something like that and listen to it off YouTube or wherever Ch- Channel 10 posts. It. I have no idea where they post it. You know, if they post on YouTube or their website or whatever it is. But so that's that. And like I said, the congressional didn't have a chance to actually observe it. So I don't want to comment on it. So earlier today and on the podcast that I posted on last night, um, I asked a question as we head into the home stretch of election 2022. Is there anything that you're looking for that might move the needle on races that you were undecided on? And I also wondered how many undecided voters are actually still out there at this point, right? Here we are, you know, November 5th, a lot of, um, pardon me, November 5th, November 3rd, and we are moving into the weekend where this is pretty much, um, you know, it's pretty much over, I think. You know, people have made up their minds. It's hard to imagine that enough votes are still out there to be had that could swing any of these elections. That includes governor. That includes Congress, the down ballot stuff. Um, you know, it's it's all there. But I got some great responses. Actually, I some some interesting responses. I'll say that. And um, if you if you want to add to this, Bill at ripodcast.com or tweet at me. You know, Adam writes, Bill, just listen to the episode about what these races will come down to. I'm a teacher. I'm a teacher's union voter, and I vote down the union line with very few exceptions. And I love following politics. I'm going to support Magaziner. But for the time, for the first time in my voting years, my heart tugs for a Republican, Fung. As a son of immigrants, he worked his way up. And as a teacher of multi-language learners, I respect that greatly. He's also my neighbor. And he was my mayor for the first year that I lived in Cranston. I think if he were truly to stand as an independent thinker who would actually stand by a woman's right to choose, as he says, and support Social Security as it is, and would be willing to be a voice of independent thought and argument in Washington, I'd support him. But I'll be damned if that picture of him smiling in the Trump hat doesn't stick with me. I think he would more often than not fall in line, and I cannot support that. So in short, I'm for Magaziner based on how he will vote. But if he loses, I'd be curious what Fung does. And I think that there's a lot of people out there with that sense of curiosity. Very interesting. Matthew writes, the answer to your question is that Trump has nothing to do with this. It comes down to consistency and forward thinking. McKee didn't even show up to his own press conference today. Talking about yesterday, the press conference that Sabina Matos held reacting to the Ashley Kalis text messages that were revealed. Ashley looks outside the box and hopes the locals are willing to have input on what needs to change and what doesn't. I know dedication and Ashley, she has it. Interesting. Erin says the big thing that she's looking for is vaccine mandates. Well, the governor and Miss Kalis answered that in my debate that I held, not my debate, the debate that I moderated on, on Monday for WPRO. And both of them are in agreement that it should be a parent's choice when it comes to school vaccine mandates. Anna writes, we have nothing, a blue cage or a red cage. The good news is things will eventually get so bad that all the peasants unite and demand better. Hey, you know what? And I don't agree that we have a blue cage or a red cage, you know. But look, I'm an independent. And look, let's be honest about the system that we have here. You know, we've got two private organizations, the Democratic Party and the Republican Party, that the state holds and conducts primaries for. You know, and as I've said a million times, at the end of the day, there are major differences between Republicans and Democrats. Let's not let's not go that far. But at the end of the day, they're both just 
sectors of the business party. That's the the interest that they protect. These aren't labor parties. These aren't now they get labor support in one way, shape, or form, you know, more so in, in the union organizations. But these aren't, you know, workers' parties. These aren't, you know, parties that are looking to reorganize the face of, you know, American, um, the American experiment or capitalism or something like that. I mean, these are business interest-oriented political parties at the end of the day, the highest levels. Again, there's major differences. Let's not, let's not deny that. So I guess, I, you know, I understand where Ann is coming from, you know? Ken writes, it's not going to happen, but I was hoping for better media coverage of the other three candidates for governor. Look, I had the Libertarian on here. Invitation was open to, you know, I met them at, at that previous debate at Rhode Island College. You know, I, I've seen, Rihanna and I know each other from, from around politics. He knows where to find me. And this Zach Hurwitz, you know, uh, you know, I gave him my Twitter handle. I gave him my contact info. I never heard from him. So I don't know what to tell you. Josh writes, candidates stance on campaign finance reform not just that i'm in favor or we need to overturn citizens united a real demonstration that the issue of big money in politics is a top priority past action and future plans hey you know what i completely agree with that i completely agree with that i would have loved to have seen more of that as well and look it's a difficult it kind of plays into that previous conversation R writes to me, Rycast scores. Well, guess what? The governor said that we might see the Rycast scores before election day. Now, is that going to move anybody in terms of, uh, well, I mean, R says it will. I don't know if it does or doesn't, but that's there. Twitter user writes, sure, better candidates. Uh, Scotty writes, I'm going to read through the ballot measures this weekend and let that decide if I vote. Interesting. As far as the candidates are concerned, I've gone from undecided to completely unimpressed. Everyone seems content trading in culture war dunks while letting the working class drown. Wow. Eric Rube of the Providence Journal writes, which high school football games will the candidates be at on Friday? (laughs) I'll tell you who's mastered that is Alan Fung. I mean, he's got the videos. He's going through Cranston West, Cranston East. I think I saw him at Hendrickson. He's high fiving. They've, you know, they've got the band blasting, or he's got some kind of celebratory, you know, corporate pop music blasting behind him, and he's high fiving everybody. He's figured that out. A lot of the reality of it, though, is that hey, look, those kids don't vote, but their parents do, you know. But yeah, that's a good point. Eric Rube brings up a good point there. Like, where are the candidates this weekend, and a place where? You're not interacting directly with voters, but you're interacting directly with the community. And of course, there are voters there. There are, there are adults, obviously. They go to high school football games. I'm not saying that. Obviously, people who have kids on the team or just go for recreation and entertainment. Well, Fung's figured that out better than anybody. You got to give him credit there. Mitch writes, I'm tired of hearing all the politicians tell us what the issues are, but none of them are actually telling us how they will fix them. Yeah, I mean, to an extent, that's true. And that's the nature of the beast here, this cycle that we have where, you know, you 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 fling a barb and you, you know, you put a random policy out there, but you don't necessarily dig in, even in a debate context where, hey, look, 
All four debates, like I said, in the governor's race pretty much cover the same thing. Yeah, there's some exceptions. But it's not as if, you know, when you have in the early stages of a campaign cycle where you have a forum on education, a forum on poverty, a forum on, you know, specific topics. Here, you know, you got 55, 60 minutes to cram in a ton of major topics that are going to affect our lives, all of our lives in a very meaningful way. No, it's not like you're actually digging in there and spending 15, 20, 30 minutes explaining policy. I mean, you lose the audience. This stuff's entertainment too. I mean, let's be honest about it. These debates are, it's entertainment. It's a civic duty. And as a debate moderator here in this market, I take it extraordinarily seriously, if perhaps the most seriously of all the different roles that I've played here. But it's also entertainment. You know, you got the music and, you know, the voiceover guy comes in and, you know, the red, white, and blue backdrop and the logos and, you know, everyone, you know, the candidates clearly had makeup people and, you know, that's the, the wardrobe is very well coordinated and it's, you know, dun da 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 dun da 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 dun da 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 It's like, is this the NFL on Fox or is this the Channel 10 debate? I don't know. It's got a similar flavor. You know, it's the big game. It's the big debate. You know, it's the must-see thing. You know, you should care because everyone else cares. You don't want to feel left out, so you got to pay attention. All those elements go into this stuff. That's not necessarily negative. I think that's important. Entertainment attracts people. You know, I'd rather watch a debate with some excitement and some energy and, and, you know, I liked how, you know, I, I don't love booing and this, that, and the other in the debate, you know, frankly, just because, come on, you can't really hear what's going on. But, you know, the energy is nice, too. And I liked how Gene let it go a little bit. You know, personally, I like the radio debate because, or our radio debate on WPRO, because I like the way, it, it, the flavor. You know, you're in a studio. There's no cameras. It's just you and a microphone broadcasting to tens of thousands of people. That's it. Let's just talk about this stuff. So the theatrics are reduced, but they're still there. Let's be honest. You know, we got the you know the theme music's blasting, the voiceover guy comes in, and bam, here we go. It's showtime, baby. It's show business. Debates are show business. It's entertainment. It's infotainment. It's civic duty as well. It's politics. It's government. It's important. It's all of the above. Nothing wrong with that. But because of that, you can't bore people to death when you talk about school choice. You got to talk about transportation. How are you going to pay for that? Where's that going to come from? You know, three hours later, you might have an answer. That's not what this is about. If we eliminated by law, music, sports, video games, social media for anything other than informing voting, and literally all you had to do besides your job, you know, you're bored at work, you know, you type in ESPN.com, it just comes up, eh, can't go there. All you can do is dig into issues. And voting was compulsory. Everybody had to vote. I still don't think that you could get to a point where every issue is fleshed out in a way where people can understand, here's how person A will handle this from top to bottom, and here's how person B will handle this from top to bottom. Just the nature of the beast. We're all human. All these people are human, believe it or not. (laughs) 
Everyone up on that stage tonight was human. You know? And as such, they celebrate. They hurt. They believe in things deeply. And they're unsure about things. And even if you're governor, president of the United States, that's a fact. And you got to remember that. And you just got to ask yourself, who gives you the best shot? Who gives you the best shot? If you got an email you want to send me, bill at ripodcast.com. We'll try to get to more of them next time um, before Election Day. I'm going to try to hop on here as much as we can before the, the big day on Tuesday, which, by the way, I'll be with you on Tuesday night live on WPRO starting around 8.30 or so. I'm not going to go crazy. You know, we don't need to sit there and um, stare at the computer at 8 o'clock or something like that. You know, we'll, we'll let you know. We'll come in when the returns are actually starting to come in and we have some results. And I look forward to uh, talking to you several more times between now and Election Day. All right, everybody, have a great night. Or if you're listening to this on Friday, have a beautiful day, beautiful weather supposedly coming here, and happy election season. And you know what? I'm glad the debates are over and we're moving on to whatever these last few days are. And remember, everybody involved in this is human. A lot of people are really, really tired, really fatigued. You know, if you're running for office, it's like, well, too bad, right? It's not an excuse, but just something to keep in mind, you know? All right, have a great night, everybody. Join WPRO's Election Central on Election Night, Tuesday, November 8th, as WPRO News Director Bill Haberman, Bill Bartholomew, and our panel of experts break down the local and national results as they come in. Tune in Tuesday after the Friars game for complete coverage. WPRO's Election Central is sponsored by LiquorRI.com, your favorite beverage delivered to your door anywhere in Rhode Island. With the increasing legalization of cannabis across the country, including most recently Rhode Island, the cannabis industry is growing at a rapidly accelerating pace. If you are already in the industry or wondering what is the best path to break into the cannabis field, well, the University of Rhode Island has a program to help educate you in the evolving space. Fully accredited by URI's College of Pharmacy, the online certificate program covers topics related to product development, chemical analysis and testing, and patient and customer therapeutics. The next application deadline for the spring 2023 session is November 29th, and courses start January 10th. Join them at two upcoming info sessions and learn more at uri.edu slash online slash cannabis or give them a call at 401-874-5280.